1: I wake up to a little bit
2: of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day. My man, What's up, dude? Hit, yeah,
1: you're looking you're looking healthy, man. You're looking you're looking colors good, you're smiling, love it.
2: What the hell, dude? It has been a while since we've done this.
1: It has. Man, it it has. Last week was was just a blur for me, man. I, NWTF convention. I don't I don't even remember. All of the things that I that I did
2: it was just just insane. So. All right. So let's just start this off. Yeah. So for any listeners, Paul and I haven't really talked to each other. in I don't know. It feels like a week or two uh, because, it's man, kind of you fun. you had convention. Yeah, you had convention. I had conventions back to back. So and we just turned this show on like Paul hopped on the call and I hit the record button. And here we are. So you are hearing this as fresh as it comes. Uh, yeah, man. Miss you, dude. I miss you, man. I, I miss doing this, and it's it's been one of those things. Like I've been so busy that I haven't even been able to think about putting a podcast together. Uh, yeah. Dan Johnson's up my ass. Like, where are you at? Where are you at? Uh, I'm sorry, Dan. Sorry. You want <laughs> to you want to start, pay- start paying my bills, Dan? Then we can uh, we can focus more on this. No, I apologize. But the um, <laughs> the reality is, uh, this does take a little bit of time, right? And to do it right, or to try to do it right, uh, we really we don't want to put out crap. So the last few weeks we haven't put anything out. Uh, the last show we put out was the one about the rifles uh, in Ohio, which we got a boatload of kickback on uh, on social media and stuff. So thank you to troll all the trolls out there. Appreciate that. Was it?
1: Was it? I, I, I honestly didn't even look. Like I didn't even look. What? What were people saying? Were the people being ugly? There was some really,
2: um, colorful language that was used, uh, on a couple wow. of posts. Yeah.
1: Wow. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. So those guys probably didn't even listen to the show. It's fun. I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. We're gonna... I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't did. I did a turkey. Your stupid Instagram posts on our, our comments are not going to ruffle my feathers.
1: Yeah. Oh God. I might have to go back and look at some of I- so bleep that out. Sorry, you want to look at it now. Let's let's do the. What's the? Um, it's probably the remember, last post. We remember had. Jimmy Jimmy Fallon used to do the the mean tweets.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's do that now. Cover my dead air. I'm going to find this. We're going to read. We're going to read the worst of these these comments. Here we go. Yeah. Get my oh. get my reading glasses out for Very this one. Once. It's the buckle read it, up, kids. Read it so. in a
2: British accent. I think that'll make it even better. All right. Let's see here. Yeah, I don't.
1: Here's our buddy Mitch coming in strong the first. Comments. Oh, Mitch. <laughs> Anxious for this one. You guys are missing out because he lives in Pennsylvania where you can, you hunt with rifles. And Mitch is you... about,
2: that's about where the positive comments ended.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, here, here we go. Here's here. Matt Talkington coming in strong. No, no, no. Okay. Just yep. the feedback, Matt. Uh, let's see here. We do DIY bow hunter underscore Q. We do not need traditional rifle cartridges in Ohio. The deer herd is in decline now. Wow. We've got a guy on today that has strong, strong words about the deer hunt, uh, of the deer herd being in, in, in decline. So uh, let's see here. Uh, the people, are, people are terrible. I don't know, man. Maybe I've just been desensitized by like people just being you cuck should be ashamed of yourself for even entertaining or promoting such a jackass idea. Yep. There you go. John's, Johns four power. Thank you, John's Ben Jones. Huh. appreciate your opinion. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. You cucks. I have to Google what cuck is. It's not it's not a, a not a nice term. Ah, let's see here. Nope, leave it alone. Eh, I don't care. That's yeah. it. That's our mean our mean tweets for, for the day. Ben Jones, you win the blue ribbon douche of the day award. I hope someone tags you in this, you <laughs> punk ass bitch. I'm just kidding, you gotta delete that out.
2: <laughs> we're, we're going fresh i don't care oh god i don't, I don't have the energy or time to edit out all the no. stuff, so no, i we'll wish have to have. explicit on this one for the two no. my apology <laughs> um oh, but i know you were you were down in nashville you were yeah man doing the nwtf conference i want to i want to do that next week okay i want to sure. get like the full get out uh of that so It was a good show, though. We'll just get real brief. Good show.
1: Yeah, it was great, man. Yeah, it it was great. Turnout was good. Um, There's a ton of energy around that show and, and, uh, you know, the kickoff. It's it's like the official, unofficial kickoff to turkey season across the country, I feel like. So, you know, my mind is there all the time. It really, really gets geared up this time of year. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Good Uh, stuff. good. Good. Good to hear. So. Uh, as far as news from around the state, like, I've been accumulating a lot of things. I'm sure most of these are already, like, past due. Um, we do have that eclipse coming up, which is pretty interesting. Like, a big swath of Ohio is going to be, you know, the prime location for that. So, um, that's something to put on your calendars. And if you have kids, you probably they're probably missing school. At least ours are um, because of it. But... Uh, I know some of the state parks and stuff. We're talking about getting out and and camping and different things during that event. So that's something to consider. What is that, April eighth or something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, April eighth.
2: So that'd be cool. I, I'm looking.
1: I want to be. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what like do do wild animals react to this?
2: I don't know. And They look at the sun and go blind. Isn't that how that works?
1: Yeah, when they're like, "Oh God, it's time to go to bed." What's going on? And they just messes them all up. So owls start hooting and everything. Fun. It'll be fun. Are you gonna go? Are you gonna go partake in the path of totality?
2: I don't know, man. Actually, mom and dad live pretty darn close to you know that kind of stuff. But maybe I'll take the kids up there. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That'll be fun. It'll be
2: fun. Yeah. So So, what uh, else, man? I don't know. I you know I was thinking before we got on what what to talk about. I've been watching some cameras. And for sheds uh you know when when to start going out there, I don't like to go out and bust up an area just like anything. if I'm gonna go trouncing through there, I don't wanna do it unless I know that I got a pretty good chance that there's antlers on the ground um and I had a video come through last week from my black gate camera. Shout out to the guys there um yeah, they're good, and the, it was a good buck that still was holding both both horns, so um I really want to go out this weekend. And I still might, I just might go elsewhere, but we'll see um, before I go out after that. But about the most interaction I've had with wildlife in the past couple of weeks, Paul, are the starlings that continue to fall down into my chimney and get stuck in there. So, oh my gosh, there's actually one more in there this morning that, you know, why not? It's like, they just
1: like, like tweeting around in there, like flopping around with it. What, what are they doing?
2: Yeah, and then when I open the flue, they, like, sit on top of the flue so they don't fall down. And I had one that I, I like, left the flue open to try to get it to come out, which it did. And eventually it made its way out into the house, got past, like, the little screen thing. So then I'm, like, running around the house with a fish net trying to catch them. And it just turns into a giant, you know, they're shitting everywhere. And it's just... Oh, come on, guys. Yeah. There you go. So, um... uh... but, yeah, man, it's been... Uh... Life's busy and... I don't have a whole lot to report. Uh, I really want to yeah. go on a coyote hunt, but still waiting for my suppressor. So ETF. Come on, guys. Anytime now. Um, yeah.
1: We got a good show today.
2: We do. This is an important one. So I think it's, it's good to come off of the, the rifle discussion into some of the, the biology. So we've got Mike Tonkovich and Clint McCoy, right, from Ohio Department of Natural Resources, Division of Wildlife. And these guys are our state biologists that are in tune with what's going on with all the, the counties across the state, harvest numbers, disease surveillance, um, the deer, the deer, herd deer herd. management. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They got their, their finger on the pulse of the deer herd.
2: So we're going to cover a little bit about what, you know, the 2023, 2024 season was like. Um, you know, I we kind of talked about this, but. I don't want to, this shouldn't come off as like an alarmist type of episode, but more of a be aware type of episode. And I think when you hear Clint and Mike talk, they've got some real concerns about the herd in Ohio and they're, and it's interesting, like you were reading the, the comment there that the population is declining. I think that that's pre, maybe in some segments you know, that maybe got hit by EHD or something like that. But if you listen to the biology and what they use as their metrics and stuff, it's really not. And it's probably the biggest herd we've ever had in this state, at least as a civilized society, who knows before 17, whatever, I don't know. But, um, so yeah, I think they've got some concerns and, uh, one of the things that, any conversation we've, I've had with Mike or whatever, it's like, we need to harvest more does. Uh, we are on, I'm on that bandwagon. You're on that bandwagon. You know, we talk about different ways that you can harvest a dough and donate it to the farmers and hunters feeding the hungry, which I talked to Justin Ross yesterday about that. Uh, and he's got some cool ideas for that archery hike coming up this, this summer. So we'll, we'll continue to keep you guys updated on that. Uh, but the, idea is we need to probably take more dose and uh i don't know not alarming alarmist but aware yeah call that awareness yeah there's there's one
1: so i I just did a, a a podcast went live on the turkey season podcast today with with dr michael chamberlain and we talked a lot about like what wild turkey researchers have learned over the last 40 or 50 years and biologists have a really like they have a, they have a tough job. They have to look at big picture, right? They have to look at right now. They have to look in, in three to five years, and then they have to look you know decades down, down the line. Because when you're managing it like a landscape level, you're managing massive herds for populations of turkeys or ducks or whatever it is. I mean, that doesn't change easily. Like you don't you don't make corrections quickly. And and that's what that's what Tonk and 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 Clint are talking about, and you know we've seen population issues in the Turkey world that that people started to recognize back in like the late nineties, early two thousands. They started to see alarming trends, and then now here we are, twenty five years later. We're like, oh my god, the sky is falling. So, goodness, excuse me. There's there's um. It's a tough job, it's, and, and they they really have to look at it big picture, and that's and that's what this is. That's what this this conversation is about. This is uh, big picture stuff. So maybe we'll be able to shoot does with rifles next year, Andrew, and we'll increase the doe harvest across the state.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I try to do my part, and you know what? They the funny to me. It's second biggest buck harvest ever. Great year, and Andrew didn't get one. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Oh. Oh well. On. So well, I think that's that's what we got. Uh quick shout out to our partners. Go Wild, Black Gate, Timber Ninja, thank you for them for supporting the show. Um you know, we're gonna keep pressing on uh with with the podcast and trying to get content out that's relevant. We'll start getting into some turkey stuff here soon spring you know whatever if you guys have ideas or thoughts things you want to hear about please let us know um you know it is our busy season paul so if it we, is a week here and there we apologize but we are trying our best to get uh, everything out to you guys that is you know not just some crap episodes so all right
1: yeah appreciate you guys
2: take care All right. So uh, it is almost 60 degrees outside uh, for the, what is it? February 8th. Uh, we are in one of those periods where the weather is really, really nice. So we're going to, but we've got a topic to really, to discuss today that is uh, I think near and dear to many people in Ohio's hearts, at least if they listen to this show. And honestly, it, I think if I had to guess it, a lot of the discussion points are going to be pretty relevant for most of the Midwest, but We've got Mike Tonkovich and Clint McCoy from the uh, Division of Wildlife, and uh, we want to get a lot of times, Paul and I will read the statistics of, of the updates from the deer herd management or the deer uh, numbers every year, but it no better than getting it straight from the horse's mouth, right? So we are happy to have you guys on uh, today and give us a recap of the 2023-2024 deer season.
0: Always glad to be here, um, and I'm glad you you hesitated there a little bit. The horses, I, I wasn't sure which direction you were going with that. So, thankful, <laughs> thank you for that.
2: <laughs> oh, you're welcome. The uh, and Paul Paul's going to join us here as he's he's on a way traveling. Um, you, know, you I love Paul, and I've done a lot of traveling with him. This is very off the air, re- off the path here, but he had posted something this morning on Instagram. When you ride with Paul in the car, you inevitably are going to see some type of winged animal and we were talking about deer today but paul he just spots them right we drive into st louis the one time and he's going crazy because of all the snow geese flying in the air and it never it doesn't matter what it could be anything some little black dot out in the middle field and he's like turkey turkey and he you know a lot of times he picks him off well he, he was driving down the road today and he had to stop he has like his little series whatever he calls it where it's like turkey you know i got fooled by a turkey whatever and here he's got one it's like uh it looks like a landscape bucket that's blowing like out in the middle of the field and he's like yep see that bucket out there it's in full strut totally had gotten him he had slammed on his brakes and um yeah so our bird brain friend will be on here shortly i think and uh anywho let's talk about deer so where are we at clint you got got some numbers here for the for the year uh, on the harvest and, and how do we compare it to years in the past?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, total harvest is, uh, 213,927. So, uh, instead of a big long number, we'll just say 214,000. Um, that is one of the highest harvests we've had in probably, in the last decade. Um, and there weren't, you know, even if you look back throughout Ohio's history, we only have, you know, a handful of, of seasons where we've, uh, where we've harvested more than 200,000 deer. Uh, most of those were back in the, what many may think as the heyday of, of, of deer hunting in Ohio in the mid two thousands. Um, but what our buck harvest might suggest is is even though total harvest isn't uh, necessarily a, a record or anything like that buck harvest might suggest that we actually have more deer on the landscape now than we ever have in Ohio's history uh of course that's speaking statewide there are certainly some regional differences and we can get into some of that if, if time allows later on but um Generally speaking, the harvest would indicate uh, particularly the buck harvest would indicate uh, we are, if not at all-time highs, uh, very quickly approaching uh, all-time highs in terms of, of the number of deer on the ground uh, in the state. can you,
2: can you explain what you mean by you know your, your idea of basing it off of the buck harvest dictating the overall population of the uh, the herd?
3: uh yeah and it's it's a fairly what I think is a fairly simple way to to think about it is uh, Ohio's always been a one buck state um, never been any changes in regulations when it comes to to the number of bucks that a hunter can harvest in a single year so that uh constant would you know eliminate some of the year to year variation uh, that that we can attribute uh, to, to regulation changes. You know, when we change regulations, we are attempting to change uh, antlerless harvest, but f- for bucks, uh, hunters are always allowed a single buck have always been allowed a single buck throughout, uh, the course of, of history here in the state. So when we think about that, we think about, uh, essentially the more, the more, uh, bucks on the landscape, uh, the more successful hunters are going to be at shooting one, and therefore, the more they shoot, um, it's indicative of how many are out on, on the landscape. So, of course, uh, more deer equals more bucks equals more bucks harvested. And so, we can we can look at that and and kind of test that through uh, just looking at hunter success rates. Uh, and hunter success rates this year are as high as we've ever recorded them. So, you know, it it, it matches up with every other piece of data that we have. Um, and all it and, and pretty much always has. now, the one thing that, that I will throw in there is that even though this year's buck harvest and I, I, I guess I haven't mentioned that yet it's the second highest ever um, in the history. So the highest, the highest was uh, 95,704 back in 2006. This year we're at 95370, so a couple hundred short of the all-time record uh, buck harvest. but Uh, What, why do I think that, you know, if we look strictly at buck harvest, why would I think that um, this year's buck harvest would indicate a larger deer population than any time in history is because we killed that number of bucks with at least 20% fewer hunters on the landscape. So when you kill the same number of, same number or more deer with, with fewer, with less hunter effort that's a, a pretty significant indicator that, that you have more deer than you had then
2: playing devil's advocate. What, what if I just was like, maybe the hunters are that much better now than they used to be. And they're getting into these bucks and finding them and that kind of stuff. Or is that not part of the equation? Is that well, good? it's not. So
3: it actually, in our minds, would work opposite Andrew. And, and the reason is, is the changes in selectivity that have occurred. Um so back in 2006 and I don't have the exact percentage off the top of my head but back in 2006 the uh hunters were much less selective as indicated by the age structure of the harvest a lot in other words a much larger percentage of the buck harvest in 2006 was made up of year and a half old bucks and um this year you know it's at least a third if not more uh of of the of our sample of of the buck kill is is over is three and a half years old or older so we're looking at hunters that are much more selective in what they're shooting and they're still shooting more than they would have back you know almost almost at any point in in, in ohio's history okay so Andrew, we were, uh, just just real quick, we were at
0: 18, 18%. In 2006, 18% of the deer that we killed, antlered bucks that we harvested, were were three and a half years old or older. This year, it's going to be, it'll probably top 30% or, or be knocking right on the door of 30%. Okay. The okay. guys are passing up. All manner of bucks. And, you know, and and it's that's a good that's that's a that's a great question, because just yesterday, someone else had suggested, well, along those lines, I think it's baiting. Everybody's killing more deer because they're hunting them over bait. And um, and and that that, of course, is a possibility. But I I push back uh, and would 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 counter that with. You know, there's 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 only been a, a handful, and I had my hands on two of them yesterday. But there's only been a handful of studies that have actually looked legitimate uh, studies, um, and maybe studies as a stretch. There's one published study out of Wisconsin back in the mid 2000s, and then just recently here in Michigan, um, they surveyed um, thousands of of deer hunters and and looked at success rates you know, baiters versus non-baiters. And, and what they found was that folks that and in, in the northern lower and the UP, the folks that, and you're very familiar with that countryside, the folks that baited tended to be a bit more successful than, than those that did it, but did not. But that's, you know, that's, of course, countryside where very, food can be very, very limiting. So, of course, you're going to respond. And we know deer respond to bait. Um, but but I guess the, the, uh, the other thing that I was going to say, too, is that I think what, the folks in Michigan suggested and I guess I would subscribe to that is that it's simply what we're seeing if anything is just a is just a shift in the harvest the um, uh, the baiters are more successful now than the, than they uh, than the folks that are not um, if we stopped baiting I think we would kill as many or more deer simply because you know we we'd, we'd have a, a level playing field um, and we'd see a reallocation of the harvest not only by hunters but also by seasons so we're killing you know almost half of our deer during our um, during our archery season, uh, eight weeks, you know, into the season, if we were to eliminate baiting and that close up hunting, all of a sudden we'd start to see some really successful people during the gun season that wouldn't be hunting over bait. Um, those longer distance shots. So I I, I don't I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that that it's baiting. I think there's there's if we stop baiting the people um uh, the people that aren't, you know, it's just the, the baiters are stealing the, the deer from the people that either cannot or don't want to bait. So it's not, obviously it's not an exact science. There are you suggested, others have suggested, you know, other reasons uh, that that could drive it. But I think it's hard to argue, especially as Clint said, because we haven't even, we haven't even scratched the surface in terms of other indicators that are pointing to population increases, you know, bow hunter observations, surveys of production landowners and, and, and farmers, or production landowners and deer hunters, excuse me. So, um in fairness to you you know we we've 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 got our hands on a bit more data that you know align with um align with this idea that uh, you can't consistently kill more deer out of a population that's smaller no it makes
2: it makes perfect sense and I, you know, I feel like i I'm seeing more deer when I go out in the woods now. Um, I think I'm trying to tell myself maybe I'm getting to be a better hunter and I'm actually seeing them now or, but I don't know. It's I think you're, I don't think, I know you're right. There are more deer out there and they just, um, you know, for different, different reasons. So I think overall, when we compare this year's harvest, number two buck harvest ever. Okay. Compared to 2006. Um, so we had, but we had fewer hunters. Almost the same number of bucks harvested and we are up for the average, uh, for the last what, couple of years, right. In general. And we have a lot of deer on, on the landscape. Uh, Mike, after you and I talked the other day, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. And when we talk about 2006 and the, you know, the heyday or whatever, there's also a lot of other things that come into play were different back in 2006. Okay, right? We had iPhone like three. It wasn't iPhone 15. Uh, and, you know, we didn't have electric cars back then. And all, the, the, I mean, if you just think about society in general, but when I think about it, and this is part of my, my real job, but like the development of the warehouses and Amazon and things like that and FedEx. And every time you turn around, at least in central Ohio, it seems like there's another woodlot going down. Um, for a distribution hub or Intel or whatever, uh, all these things, manufacturing, things are happening, reducing that habitat. So now we're talking about a herd that is potentially an all-time high with less habitat than it's, they've had in years and compared to 20 years ago, you know, even there, um, that's going to bring some problems, right? Uh, potentially motor accidents, you know, the gardens being eaten up, the landscapes being eaten up, um, we've talked about this before disease ecosystems can only hold so much, right. Do you want to touch on either one of you guys on some of these, these issues that if they're not already present are, you know, we're kind of staring down the, the barrel of that gun.
0: Yeah. You know, Andrew, I'll, I'll start with, I'll start with just a couple comments that the warehouses, yeah. just thinking about that on the way to Columbus on a regular, on a regular basis that just, just on that stretch of 33, the, uh, it's like, wait, that was a woodlot yesterday, and now it's a, it's a large it's a large warehouse just waiting for someone to occupy it. I guess in many cases. Then I was over towards Mary, uh, Marysville, and you know, saw the same thing there. It's just wow, I can't I can't believe it. But you know, and on top of that, I, what I was going to add to the to the mix is that we're well, we're physically losing places for deer to call home. Um, we're also losing places for for deer hunters to call home, um, but the habitat remains. So, so, and 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 that that's a double edged sword. So that's just generating deer because those places that that I'm referring to are now being hunted by one or two, perhaps uh, three or four people, um, several thousand acres, perhaps um, that used You're to be hunted by
2: like leases or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: just getting yeah getting at that that at that place and and people buying property exclusively um, to hunt, um, because they see the future as, you know, uh, you know, there's, uh, I'm going to lose a, If I don't have a place to hunt, I'm going to, you know, I, if I don't have, if I don't have my own property, I'll, I'll probably um, not have a place to hunt. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's another factor is that's, that's fueling this population growth, but, but it also, you know, it's also at the same time making it nearly impossible to manage these pockets of deer because we can't, we can't put, put people on these properties like we used to. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a um, it, it's a conversation that that probably really, probably requires, you know, two or three shows to, to to begin talking about you know the consequences of of you know a growing deer population because the other thing that you know that we have to keep in mind when we have that conversation is that if today's you know if today's a challenge uh, five years from now is is going to be even worse because we're not turning the tide on, on, on the loss of deer hunters. Uh, that, that, that continues not only in Ohio, we're, we're not alone. And when we speak most of what we're talking about today, as you started out the show, Andrew, you referenced, uh, you know, the Midwest, um, this, this is a regional phenomenon, if not a, if not a uh, national phenomenon, NDA writes about it all the time, you know, other outlets write about it on a regular basis. Uh, we're losing hunters every single year and, and we're not doing enough. We're not replacing ourselves plain and simple. So, so we're losing uh, the tools, uh, and, and I, don't, I, don't like, I don't intend to refer to hunters as tools, but we're losing our ability to manage deer. The hunters that remain are, are losing interest in harvesting antlerless deer. We're seeing that right here under our, our noses um, in Ohio. Uh, this year, we are at a, uh, our second lowest antlerless harvest proportion ever, right around 55% uh, it's dropped, I think the last three or four years in a row and continue and will continue to drop because what's, what's happening, the cycle will be, um, next fall we'll have a record buck harvest, um, and we'll probably see a a further decline. So as you continue to, to, to harvest fewer and fewer antlers deer, you're going to to put more and more bucks on the landscape the following fall. And this, this vicious cycle continues to, uh, uh, continues to repeat itself. So that's, um, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it, there aren't a lot of bright spots to be quite honest, but, but, but I think one of them might be this conversation that we're having right now. Cause I, I don't think that most of our hunting public um, recognizes that, that we're facing these challenges. And again, when I say we, I'm talking about most of the Midwest. I just, I just got off a call earlier today, you know, pick a day, any day of the week, Clint and I are on calls with our colleagues across the Midwest and we're, we're hearing the same things, you know, pockets here, pockets there. You know, we've got a few places where we're on top of the herd, but, but in most places, um, uh, it, it's the same story. Um, folks are after antlers and, and, um, and there's nothing wrong. There's not a thing wrong with that, but, but they have to recognize that focusing on that comes at a cost and I'll stop and give Clint a chance to, um, interject there.
3: Yeah. And I, I guess, uh, I guess I would, might just kind of go towards the direction of, of, of those costs. Um, And, and I guess I want your listeners to keep in mind that, you know, even though today we're, we're painting a pretty broad brush with regards to, you know, largest deer herd we probably ever had. um, And, and the costs associated with that, we recognize regional variation. I mean, I don't want folks to get the interpretation or get get the idea that 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 we we want to paint um, every corner of the state with with the same brush here, because there are places where um, populations are pretty stable uh, according to many of our metrics. Um, particularly, and what might come as a surprise to many is those counties. Where a lot of that stability is occurring is uh, south, south and southeast are, are what you would, many would consider uh, traditionally the, the the deer-rich counties. Um, those counties aren't, uh, they aren't harvesting record bucks right now. Um, they, those counties, if they want to refer to it that way, ha- did have their heyday back in the mid-2000s. They're not back there now. Um, but they're, they're churning along pretty stable, uh, over the last probably 10 ish years at this point. Um, what might be more, I don't know, more troubling, uh, it's probably not the right word to say there, but what, what might be more surprising is that these, these record harvests and, and I'll, I'll say this 50 of the 88 counties this year posted their record harvest record buck harvest what might be surprising to many is that a lot of those counties are what they would consider deer poor counties uh counties with not a lot of habitat really uh our you know our van work counties are are a lot of those counties out in the western northwestern part of the state that it's hard to find woodlots um those are the counties that are are exploding uh, right now in, with regard to, to the numbers of deer on the landscape, uh, that, that, that concerns me, uh, from a, from a herd health standpoint, uh, many consider, uh, those deer to be in no danger of, of nutritional stress, just given the landscape of, you know, corn and soybeans, as far as the eye can see, but those resources are limited to certain parts of the year, so when we talk about overwinter, overwintering habitat, when you cram all those deer into these scattered small isolated woodlots, those woodlots are getting destroyed uh, habitat-wise. And sooner or later, there's not a whole lot of browse to be found when you put enough deer on the landscape in, in those types of, of, of environments where there might be some some waste grain left out in the fields, but with you know the technology, the way that it's going, and uh, it's not like it used to be. Uh, those the, those uh, farming equipment's pretty darn efficient these days, and so um, there's not as as much of a uh, of a uh, I guess what you'd call maybe a, a helping hand from the from from the agriculture during the winter as as there used to be. Um, so that, that's concerning to me.
2: Is, is there any correlation between having a couple basically mild winters back to back and then kind of the bumper mass crop that we had last fall, uh, with, with some of the
3: population increase? I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, Andrew, not necessarily necessarily. I, I think this population increase is is first and foremost driven by prior year antlerless harvests. Um, of course, you know a better mass crop; those deer in those parts of the state where mass crop is important um, will go into go into the winter in better condition and and, and may uh, may be a little bit more successful at, at, at raising fawns the following year. Um, but survival uh, really in any year survival from one year to the next is, is, is really not dictated by mass crop or, 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 or winter severity here in Ohio. Of course, parts of the upper Midwest certainly are um, severe winters in Northern Wisconsin or Northern Minnesota can, can, certainly affect populations but in Ohio we, we don't really see that um so mild winters don't may not have as much of an effect here that, that they do anywhere else
0: and Andrew if I may and please stop me if if uh if you'd like to change gears I see Paul's on there hi Paul um I um it, Andrew was telling some stories about you before you got on but before I forget oh I, I, this I, I lose this train of thought. Um, I, um you know, I want to, I want to throw this out there. We'll probably come back and talk a little bit more about CWD here towards the end. But, but what a, um, I think the other thing that's worth mentioning there, in addition to the, the situation that Clint's described, and, and I, I, I could talk some about the productivity data and percent fawns breeding out of that region, but, but what a, what, th- th- there isn't a, a, probably a worse place for, for those populations to explode um, than that, that, region of the state where we're dealing with CWD and and based on surveys that we just completed or had a couple of research firms complete for us um, we're dealing with some uh, widely varying opinions between farmers and hunters up there with regard to population size but the the reason why I bring that up that's so important is because when there's when there's no food and there's no space to have a fawn and there's there's no space to raise a fawn what do you do but you disperse Right. And you disperse until you run out you know, until you find a place that you can call home and that home may be 40, 50 miles away. I mean, that that, those are extreme dispersal distances. We know that average dispersal distance might be 15 miles. But but in in Benton County, you're probably not going that far because you're going to find suitable deer habitat, you know, just down the road. But but in that woodlot country that Clint is speaking of, especially in those areas of Marion, Harden, Wyandotte, Allen County, um, where we know that we have CWD and we have very large deer populations. Uh, Dispersal is is the last thing you want um, going on there. So anyway, and Paul, I was thinking about you, because we hear we hear that you're a bird guy and, and you love turkeys. But, you know, this is sort of reminiscent thinking about Clint mentioned, because I think of Pike County when I think of, you know, uh, the poster child of flat um, populations. It, it's sort of reminiscent, Paul, think about the situation in Ohio with Turkey's, you know, Turkey's re, um, resurgence, um, Vinton County, Athens County, there was a couple counties in Southeast Ohio where you used to go to, to kill turkeys and, and they, it, the populations grew and grew and grew. And then, and then they started taking off elsewhere. And, and But, but then it looked like the, the Turkey populations in Southeast Ohio had reached an asymptote and just stopped, you know, and, and it's, um, it there yeah, are places Mike, what,
2: what was that word you just used
0: oh it wasn't a bad word i swear it must have been you <laughs> asthmatope uh basically they leveled off yeah they, they, I, yeah <laughs> that's good that's real good no that was not a bad word that was not a cuss word it was it, it i probably broke up but it just means they'd reached they'd, they'd reached the plateau um And it just seemed that's that's what's interesting about the deer situation. Clint made me think of that. Um, We've seen that with turkeys. So I don't know. I don't know whether it's a population phenomenon that we see, you know, across the board, regardless of species, these these uh, larger case selected species or or what. But anyway, that's Mike.
1: Mike, first off, you didn't you didn't break up. We're just too dumb to understand what that word is. (laughs) No. <laughs> so that's, that's what it was. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought that up because yes, I am bird brained and I did, you know, I was thinking about it I was like this is very similar to the challenges the Turkey population is, um, has experienced in you know, in the Southern half of the state and, you know, across the country. And man, I, I don't know. i I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that <laughs> that our record buck harvests come from those, I mean, there's no, there's nothing out there in those northeastern or northwestern counties. I mean, it's just, it's just flat and and, and dispersed. But I I I want to ask you about the population or the the harvest totals, I guess, in the in the southeastern part of the state. Is there any correlation to the to the EHD outbreak from a, a few few years ago that would that would impact some of those declines in, in buck harvest?
0: I mean, Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll let will let Clint follow up, but I I, I think absolutely, um, uh, Andrew, Andrew, Paul, there there are definitely some there are definitely some connections there, um, and I, the regulations, you know, the harvest and the regulations bore that out. But but um, to to what extent, you know, it, it's it's so hard to say. You know, citizen science has been great to help us kind of keep track of what's going on out there, but at the same time, um, I question whether or not it's it's doing us, you know, the, uh, 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 telling us enough about what's going on in the landscape, because two years ago, you know, we, uh, Clint said it best when he said, you know, we had EHD a mile wide and an inch deep. We had it in, in 47, confirmed it in 47 over 88 counties. And then last year, we, we couldn't buy hemorrhagic disease. We took, I think probably two dozen deer to the lab and all of them were not detected. Um, so I don't know for sure what was going on there, but, but, um, back to, uh, 22, it, it, it just, um, we, we didn't have a lot of reports. Um, you know, there were pockets, there were certainly pockets in Hawking, Vinton, Athens, and then you got down to Southwest Ohio, but, um, most definitely, I mean, that, that's, that's probably impacting, impacting the herds. Um, but, but to what degree it, it, it's, it's just, it's super hard to tell, you know, whether you, your, your, your pulse from the hunting public, um, the, the general public is actually, uh, know accurate or whether it's underestimating overestimating you're getting reports multiple times so you, you really don't have a super good feel for it unless you had you know there were some states like missouri they were fortunate or unfortunate which however you want to look at it uh, i think 2012 they had a bunch of radio collared deer so they knew what killed us you know they were able to confirm that it had a huge impact in, in parts of their state but without without that kind of information all we can surmise, you know, is, is is what we see in the harvest. But there could be other factors, you know, just a just a group of factors that that could be collectively influencing the harvest, which makes the job incredibly difficult and interpretation even harder. Clint, you have anything else on on that? I I don't know. If there's...
3: Yeah, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot there, other than, um, you know, w- we do rely heavily on on public reports. Uh, when we're documenting HD outbreaks and, and their potential impact. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that, that, that bias that data. Um, number one, you're going to, oh, you're probably going to get uh, overestimates of HD impact where there's lots of people um, because when you have lots of people, uh, they can notice those, those dead or dying deer um, at a much regular frequency, places that are a little bit more rural, uh, Southeast Ohio, I would think, are probably a little, um, a little under. The HD is probably a little underreported there, just um, pro- partly uh, from a from a a, um, uh, uh, a not knowing uh, the public, not knowing that 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 we are seeking some of that information or they just don't realize it that they can report it or they, that we want them to. Uh, but other, you know, obviously the moral rural landscape, those, those deer get aren't come across as often, uh, by folks. So they, they, they can die and die in a Creek somewhere and, and not ever even, uh, be found by someone. So, there, there's variation across the state, in, in that HD reporting, all that to say, uh, I'm I'm fairly confident that that some of those de- some of those harvest declines and and some of those southeast counties were uh, hangover from from 22 from the 2022 HD uh, that we had. So, Mike, you let the you let the cat
1: out of the bag. I'm gonna. I'm going to tie deer into Turkey one more time. And um, Andrew, I promise this will be it for the episode. I did, I did an interview with, with Dr. Michael Chamberlain and Dr. Brett Collier, two of the brightest minds in wild Turkey research and professors. Uh, And, and Mike Chamberlain during the interview said that in, in 2005, he started to see some, some points in the data that said, okay, I think there might be a problem in, in re- regards to populations across the Southeast specifically. 2008, he said, okay, we definitely have a problem. I don't know what it is. 2011, he's like, this is a full-blown problem. This is a full-blown population issue. We're, we're seeing declines across a huge swath of of the wild turkey habitat. And this lady was walking up to my car. <laughs> Sorry, it totally threw me up. I'm <laughs> in a parking lot. I'm in a, a rural King parking lot in Nitro, West Virginia. And there's some, you know, you, know, I, you get it. I don't even know if I- <laughs> So anyway, so, so, so here we are, we've got, you know, like an eight year period that, that, that researchers start to see and agency professionals start to see an issue with populations across the country. And then it seems like the public doesn't really care until 2019, 2018, where your, your turkey hunters in the Southeast are like, I mean, it's like hitting every panic button that they possibly can And so a lot of that comes to, it's like, um, what's the story? The little nursery rhyme, you know, chicken little, you know, the sky's falling. We hear that across so many things in our lives. We're just like, meh. we tone it out until it's like, okay, wait a minute. Now it affects me personally. Now I care. So is, is hunters in the state of Ohio when they hear, okay, we, we think we have a problem. We don't know what it is. Okay. We definitely have a problem we're still trying to figure it out oh crap we have a problem panic button like what, what stage are we in and and like why is that i mean it's it's important for people to understand that before it necessarily affects them until it's in their backyard
0: does that make sense yeah you know that's that's a that's a great great uh a great great way to set um set the tone uh paul that's that's a super great analogy but i think uh, the, the, the the big difference here, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the problem on the turkey side was, you know, that we were seeing fewer numbers were go- going down and people were starting, people eventually would start to notice. We're dealing with a very different situation, of course, because we we're in, in fact, a much more difficult situation because our problem is we recognize that, that we get to a point we don't bring this deer population back, right? I mean, it becomes unmanageable in in parts of the state, in parts of the Midwest, um, but for for hunters, this is nirvana, right? I mean, what do you mean? There's a problem? That, that I've never seen more deer in my life, right? This this is not a problem. So so we're faced with a much more difficult situation and, and trying to convince folks that we've got an issue here that will become an issue that we cannot deal with here um, in short order. Um, so I looked at I was I, I sent some trend graphs around this uh, earlier to. Uh, to Dave Belawinski, and I, as I was as I was sending those, I, I noticed that there were two places in my career that we've actually checked. I, he had asked about deer popu- You know, we could keep deer herds in check, if um, so on and so forth. And I there were two times in, in my career. One was one was right when I started. We turned the, the deer population south um, about 1997, and of course we did it um, in the mid 2000s. Began a campaign to reduce deer populations in 2007. And by 2010 or 11, we had, you know, we had certainly had turned the tide, um, but we were doing that with, with a lot more hunters and killing, and they were a lot more willing to shoot antleroist deer. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not hitting the panic button, but I've, I've, I've taken the, uh, you know, I, I'd say I've, I've certainly made preparations <laughs> to make sure that Taking the,
3: you've taken the lid off of it.
0: I've taken the lid off of it. Yeah. The, the button is, I can see the, I can see the button, right. It's sitting here yeah. on my desk. And I and I say that in all seriousness, because I I, I think folks just don't recognize it. And the thing that, that has been in, one thing that Clint and I have have learned over the years is is that we're dealing with um, this is sort of like a re, maybe a reverse game of chess or how, however you want to think about this. But what we harvest this year is already old news um, and, and the antirous harvest this year, it, the, you know, the damage is done. We're dealing with lags in, when it comes to managing deer populations. So so what we see in 2023, you know, we, we've already set the stage for two years out and this continues on and on and on. And, and these are the kinds of things that are difficult to convey in a five minute conversation or a podcast or, a you know, a news release, right? That, that, that by the time we figure out that there's something wrong, it's sort of like chronic wasting disease. Once we find it, it's, it's, it's too late, right? That, that's, the, that's the challenge. So once we find out, once we tell folks that, that, or they recognize that, oh, wow, I guess they weren't kidding. We do have a problem. We really have a problem. And, and, and so I, I'm not suggesting that we're hitting the panic button, but we've taken the lid off the box. And, and, and we need folks to understand that, that um, we've got an uphill battle because every year that we shoot fewer and fewer antlerless deer, That creates that much more work for us, you know, down the line. And when you lose hunters, that's that much more work for those that are left.
2: Mike, Clint, I might just have missed all this, but I'm I'm sitting here as that hunter in the Nirvana thing, where it's like it is great. Why are we, you know? Now, unfortunately, it would happen that the United, you know, the state of Ohio has a record buck harvest, and Andrew's not part of that because, you know, that's just how my life rolls, but... uh, You do suck. Yes, I do. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) what is the problem? What is the problem? Like, what besides CWD and disease, what is the problem with having all these deer? Because from a hunter's perspective, and most of the guys listening and ladies listening to the show are like, heck yeah. Even out-of-state people are like, Ohio's got a ton of deer. Let's go there. And, you know, you think from an economic side of things that's gonna bring people in. What is the problem with having too many deer? Uh well, let's see. Let's count, let's, let's count the ways. At I was some point, I was gonna we'll...
3: suggest I was gonna suggest we go back and forth. Like you say something and then I say something.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Clint. You <laughs> start right. it.
3: I'll start it. Um let's talk about uh, uh an easy one. Um uh, Damage to agriculture and other other uh, human interests uh, in that vein, uh, gardens, agriculture. Um, that that damage will eventually become uh, to a point where where those folks are are, are certainly going to be um, clamoring about about too many deer. If if some of them already are. Um, all right, go ahead, talk to you next.
2: On, on that one, Clint, so my day job is working with landscapers and stuff like that. And you tell Mrs. Jones after you put $100,000 worth of plants in her yard that they just got mowed down by all these deer, that's a problem, okay? Uh, and, yes, that does happen. I know $100,000 on plants seems insane, but in some places that happens. And uh, so that is a huge problem. And, and I'm not even going to try to get into the, the agricultural economic impact, but, yeah.
0: So I, I would say I would, I would just throw out um... – Let's go with an average of six, six grand uh, per repair uh, for each automobile accident that we have that involves deer at 20,000 a year. That's $120 million, um, not to mention, even if they're, you know, we're talking about people that are injured and are losing their lives. Um, the um, uh, the uh, tick-borne diseases, we've, we've now got, you know, five species of ticks in the state. Many of those are um, associated with deer higher deer numbers, um, higher Lyme disease rates, um, alpha gal. Um, I, I think, um, and we haven't even, you know, we haven't even cracked, um, the conversation uh, about impacts. Someone, I think someone mentioned it earlier. I think Clint, you mentioned it earlier. Um, others have talked about the, uh, it's my turn.
3: It's my turn. The browser oh, the lines. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. In, you went two in a row. My bad. I'm not used to having a, 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 it's a okay. snake draft.
2: It's a snake draft. <laughs> so back and forth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> go ahead all right I'll, I'll run with that one yeah uh, damage to habitat um the these deer when they become abundant can you know they, they serve as a detriment to themselves uh when they you have so many mouths to feed um you know browse lines damage to habitat not only affects the deer themselves eventually when their numbers get so large um but what about other wildlife species you know what about you know those those um ground nesting birds or or you know low 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 shrub nesting birds and things of that nature that that uh, need that type of habitat to to just survive you know so um yeah impacts to other wildlife is huge They
1: mess with my turkeys mike
0: yeah no, and I, and I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to beat this drum too loudly. But but I would say to the other thing, I was talking to t- talking to Dave Sherman the other day. I don't know if you guys spend much time with Dave, but um, you know, Dave reminded us uh, that you know, here in a month or so, we're going to start to see green up. But unfortunately, most of those plants that we're going to see earlier are going to be invasives, and, and deer are wonderful at helping invasives become much more competitive in spaces that you know they that they previously didn't occupy um, because they're, they're eating native browse and, and beating it back to the point where it can't get out ahead. So these, these invasives, uh, these honeysuckles, and and you name it, you pick it, your favorite species, they'll be greening up here a month or so. And and again, that's, um, um, you know, we're not attributing everything to deer, but, but, but again, when you, when you destroy ecosystems um, you're just giving those invasives an opportunity to, uh, to thrive. Um, And I guess, you know, just some summing things up. And again, Clint said it earlier, guys, we, we need to make sure that we're clear on this. We're not painting broad brushes here. You know, this is, this is, there are pockets where deer are doing just fine. There's, there's, there's harmony. Um, but, but I guess the, the other thing that I would, I would close this, you know, cause we've talked enough negativity, but I would close this with is I think the thing that we need to be mindful of is that we've got 11 million people in the state. We may have, who knows how many, a million, two million deer in the state. And, and they spend a lot of time in very, very, very close proximity to each other. And, and and I think there's fair amount of evidence around the state. You look at the hunting programs, you look at the number of cities that are calling deer now. The novelty of, of those deer in your backyard is, is wearing off quickly. And when those 11 million folks, uh, you know, get tired of deer, um, they're going to make calls and, and um, we're not going to be able to help them because we've, you know, we, we don't have the hunting power that we used to. Um, So I I guess we need to be mindful of the fact that um, they are slowly creeping into places where we can't hunt them and their numbers are growing. Um, And we haven't talked about, you know, we haven't talked about um, SARS-CoV-2. I mean, we, that's, that's a legitimate concern. We've got Andrew Bowman, who's going to speak to uh, the Midwest uh, MAFWA, and wildlife health committee, um, this, this April up at Mommy Bay, and his working title for his talk is SARS CoV 2 and Whitetail Deer Why You Need to Care. Um, and I, I think there's legitimate reasons there. Um, so enough gloom and doom. What, what about something positive?
1: Jury season starts in like <laughs> 70 days. <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> there well, you go. Uh, <laughs> I killed a nice deer this year. He did. That was cool. Yeah, it was fun. I took if I and I'm one of those schmucks, Mike and Clint, that did not kill an analyst deer this year. I, was I got not you, for Paul. lack of trying. Was not for lack of trying. Uh, but missed twice. So
2: there we go. Um, guys, this is a huge conversation and uh we are not gonna dwell on this anymore because it's February, so um, you know, I we wanna we probably need to talk more about this come next mm, what? middle of September, uh, when people are starting to get out in the woods, uh, getting ready to get out in the woods for next year's season. But Mike, I can't have you on here and not talk about the magical three letter acronym, um, up there in, uh, the kind of North central West part of the state. You mentioned something earlier. I don't know if anybody else caught it. Do we have any update on CWD and is there another County that you might've added to that or, uh he I said
1: positive months I well
2: test positive you mean like that um you said allen earlier and i don't know yeah. like, did we have do we have cwd in allen county now
0: yes we do just into just into the county yep so we're at four counties now
2: i didn't realize that yeah yeah we are spreading a little bit are the i mean as far as what you got back this year is there more any of that numbers confirmed yet as far as positives yeah, we're, we're sitting at, um, oh gosh, 24,
0: right Clint? I think we're at 24. Sure. We're at 24 this year. Yeah. Things are, things are, um, moving largely, uh, um, North out of Wyandotte. They're spreading in all directions that the, um, uh, the odd ball was that Western, uh, that Western spark, maybe hopefully we'll, it'll just be a spark over there. Um, you know, a buck that perhaps dispersed and, and, um, but but but, the odds, it makes me just a little bit nervous because this is exactly how we found the first one in Wyandotte County. This was not, we didn't get this deer from um, mandatory surveillance. This deer went to a taxidermist. So think about the odds of that. Us picking up, you know, just a handful of deer going to taxidermists from Allen County and one of those happens to be a positive male. Um, so yeah, we're we're um, we're sitting, I think, at forty six, forty five total deer. Twenty four of those uh, this year. Uh, we added Allen. We've added uh, probably four, maybe five townships uh, across Marion and, and Wyandotte County. Um, did we pick anything else up in harden this year, Clint? Are we still? We still. I think we're still. Yeah, well, a, a yeah single,
3: huh? that. I mean. It... That was the first positive
0: in yeah, the Goshen, Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Goshen. So we added two counties this year, Andrew. I, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. Two counties. Um, Goshen Township in Hardin County. And then uh, is it Jackson? In yeah. Allen.
3: Jackson Township in Allen.
0: Yeah. Jackson Township in Allen County. So.
2: Okay. Well, we'll get more about that later on. And, you know, we'll talk. We'll have you back on before the season starts next year. Po- positive stuff, Paul. Okay. Here's the deal. The underlying tone, we need more hunters and we need to take more antlers deer. So as we move into the off season and I'm not talking about Turkey, I'm we're not getting that ball, but we need to get kids comfortable with weapons and get them out and get ready for the season. I know my kids ask me all the time, dad, can you take me? And then when the time comes, they need to take antlerless deer. That sound good. That's positive, right? That sounds, that sounds great. There we go. But okay.
0: <laughs> we will talk about youth seasons, though. Right, okay, <laughs>
2: That's right. <laughs> uh, so, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we look forward to the next time you come out. And uh, take care, enjoy the weather, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.
1: I need a change in my life because I don't feel alive and there's nothing that makes me happy.